0: I'd like to pray. Father, I pray for the hearts and the ears of the people here in this room to be open to hear what you have to say. I pray for myself that I would decrease and you would increase. Uh, These are those days you spoke of when you said, see to it that you are not led astray and that the love of many would go cold. I pray that no one here, no one, not the least, not the most, not the youngest, not the oldest, and no, anybody in between would be left behind. And I pray what you said in Luke 21:36. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all the things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. My subject this morning is: if you abide in my word, the truth will make you free. And that's John 8:32. <laughs> but I'm going to start in Revelations 22, uh, starting in 13th voice verse. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. David. I want you to remember his name and how God so lovingly refers to David. The truth will set us free. We live in America. We're What do we need to be free from? We have everything. According to the world standards, we have everything, and then some. We're not slaves. Anybody here a slave? Uh, We don't think we're in bondage, and neither did the Jews of Jesus' day, the ones he was talking to. They had no idea they were in bondage either. They thought he was crazy. Last Sunday, in the midst of the worship service, a warning came from Eric, through Eric, Shanley, uh, and it was right out of the book of Revelations, and, uh, where it says in Revelations 3:15, "I know your works; you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot! So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth." The enemy of our soul wants us to be lukewarm. He does not want us to be hot on fire for the cause of Christ, which is that none would perish. God, it's God who desires us to be reconciled to him. It's God who's after us. John three sixteen. say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. We were warned because he loves us. I also want to remind you of something that Eric Keck preached last week, two weeks ago rather. Um, He opened the first service with Psalm 51 and closed the second service with the same scripture. And this is a portion uh, that stood out to me. And uh, in Psalm 51, verse 6, out of the message, he says, you're the one I've violated and you've seen it all, seen the full extent of my evil. You have all the facts before you. Whatever you decide about me is fair. I've been out of step with you for a long time, in the wrong since before I was born. What you're after is truth from the inside out. Enter me then, conceive a new and true life. This is David. In whom there was no guile, a man of God, these are right out of the scriptures, appointed and anointed to be king, and yet he was deceived into sin, adultery, and murder. We're all sub- subject and tricked by our own desires and into sin. David went about nine months before he saw his sin, and then only because Nathan the prophet was sent to him by God to rescue him. How much he loved him. He was essentially living a lie. He had been duped by his own flesh, to which Satan must have had a heyday. Um, half not God said, You're the king. You can have anyone or anything you want. Was that the dialogue? Is that what Satan used to get him? Uh, it, it sounds familiar. It sounds very familiar. In Genesis 3 1 through 5, this is what it says Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say? God actually say, have we ever heard that? Has, has God ever, has the enemy ever said to you, oh, your parents didn't really say that. That's not really what they meant. Oh, God doesn't really mean that. Really, you know, you can bend it, you can do this, come on. God. Satan blatantly called God a liar. I mean, he, he has no qualms about anything. If Satan will call God a liar and tempt Jesus, his... <coughs> to sin against his own father, surely he will us. It says in um, 1 Peter 5.8, your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Stay awake. I'm going to read a section of scripture, and it's kind of long, but it points out um, what we've been dealing with and what God wants to, to alert us to and awake us to and deliver us from, because of his kind love. Jesus was speaking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, who were the leaders and the teachers in the day of Jesus. These are the men who thought they were the closest to God, who had the very ultimate in how to know God and how to serve him. They were up here and held themselves up there. And Jesus confronted them with the truth, and eventually it cost him his life. But he did it because he really loved them. He saw what was in them and wanted them to see it and be done with it. He loved them, and many of these Sadducees and Pharisees did turn after Jesus spoke strongly to them, saw the truth, and followed him. So it, it may seem like he was really hard on them, but the harshness, and sometimes, you know, we think our parents are hard or our pastors are hard, so that we will see the truth, but it's because he loves us that he wants us to see the truth. The first scripture in um, this section, John 8, verse 12 says, and Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And he starts there and he goes through a whole bunch of scriptures just testifying to who he really is and why you should follow him, and we'll pick up in the 23rd verse in uh, John 8, and he said to them, you are from below, and I am from above. You are of this world, and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Um, He was telling them that he was the promised Messiah of God, and it's a message to us also. If you believe. You will not die in your sins. It's hard. We know all these people, and we're thinking, are they going to die in their sins? You know, they seem like good people, but if they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised of God, they will. And John 8.25, I'll start there, and kind of stick with me. It should be up there. Jesus said to them, who? No, they said to Jesus, the Pharisees said to Jesus, who are you? And he said, Just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you, much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world that I have heard from him. They did not understand that he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just what the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, they believed many. Many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Pretty direct. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. We think we're not enslaved, don't we? In America, not just us here. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free... You will be free indeed. Thanks, Eric. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. God's word found a place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. (laughs) They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children... You would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is what Abraham did. What? No. This is not what Abraham did. Thank you. You guys <laughs> are on the ball. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one Father, even God. And Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. The Amplified says, If God were your Father, you would love me and respect me and welcome me gladly. For I proceeded and came forth from God out of his very presence. We talk about his presence all the time. Uh, and it's, it's the this, this sense that his presence is him, and yet his presence sent him. You know, it's pretty mysterious and awesome. Back to 843. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it, it is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are, you, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? <laughs> and Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death, was shook him up. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him, I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Woo. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. And he really stirred them up. He really did. But some of them believed. Yeah, many. They were the first disciples. They were all Jews. So the truth will set you free. (coughs) In Psalm 51, David confessed his sin after... The sin was revealed, right? I mean, it doesn't matter, you know? If you've sinned, if you've done wrong, and someone has to point it out to you, you don't see it, thank you, God. You know? It's still valid. What matters is your response. Okay? You're the one I've violated, and you've seen it all, seen the full extent of my evil. Pretty, pretty serious, but but how God loved him for that. How God loved him when he was able to say that. Whatever it is of God, whoever it is of God listens to God. Those who belong to God hear the words of God. We, we all fall into the temptation when we listen to Satan. His lies are what we are in bondage to. And this is what Jesus said, and I'm going to repeat it. We just read it. You are of your father, the devil. And it is your will to practice the lust and gratifying the desires which are characteristic of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks of falsehood, he speaks what is natural to him for he is a liar himself and the father of lies and of all that is false. We know that his desire is to destroy us because it says in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And our enemy is at work to achieve that goal. He would love to have the Father spit us out of his mouth. When we become complacent and lukewarm and cynical, and that was spoken of, and there's a sense that there's a cynicism among, among us that we're, we're just, you know, kind of like, Ugh, oh, well, you know, that's old stuff. And you know, Satan is not a respecter of persons, and he attacks children and adults alike. Every trauma, every sin, every triumph has a door that our enemy uses to draw our attention away from God, our Savior, and to make our lives miserable. He doesn't just use sin. He uses all kinds of things, and I want to Um, read some examples to you of what we've seen in ministering to people um, over the years. We're trapped and we're afraid. Anybody ever been afraid, full of fear because of something that happened to you? And Satan uses that fear to get our minds off of the true way out. An example, a young boy develops a strong aversion to his father. Actually, he ended up not wanting his dad to touch him. They used to wrestle and play on the floor like lots of dads and sons. And after praying and um, revelation, the boy remembered the first time he felt like he was unsafe with his father. They'd been playing around and the father underestimated the pressure of his own arm on his son's chest. And the boy became frightened and afraid he was going to die because he felt trapped. I mean, they were fooling around, but that's what happened and that's what happened in his heart. Trapped and afraid... The lie was set in place. If you're not, it is not safe to wrestle with that. You could die. Segway four years later. The fear that Satan produced in this young boy he gra- and grabbed a hold of found its goal. And he was afraid of his dad. And he just didn't even want him to touch him. It got worse and worse and worse. The Lord revealed the truth. Um, that the dad was not trying to kill him. Satan had said he was. God spoke the truth. He wasn't. And he saw it. He heard the truth, this young boy. And he forgave his dad and talked it out with his dad. And his dad repented. He didn't mean to hurt him. He was able to hear the truth. And the truth released him to love his dad again and to receive love from his dad. And now they can wrestle. And now they can have a relationship but that was the goal of Satan, you know, to destroy the love relationship between the father and the son. Another example. We find ourselves responding to normal situations in abnormal ways. Okay? No clue. Why am I acting this way? Why am I doing this? Why am I responding this way? I'm going to give an example. These are true examples, by the way, and just changed the names. Esther called me from her office building she was in the laboratory, sitting down, crying her heart out, and she could not stop. Please help me, is what she said. Please help me. I, I feel so broken. My heart is broken. I can't figure out why. Why can't I stop crying? And so I just, over the phone, I just sent up a desperate prayer to God, and I, I call it my hot prayer. Help me. Help me, God. Because this is, you know, I'm not sitting in my office. I'm not explaining it. I'm, this is over the phone. How am I going to help her, God? All right. When did it start? When did you start crying? What what incident was going on? She told me she was at the hospital visiting her grandma. And while she's in the hospital, right next to her was a woman who was dying. She went over. She's a compassionate young girl. Went over. Began to just talk to the lady and just love on her. And when she left the bedside, she began to cry. And she couldn't stop. It was like two days later. She like, I can't stop crying. I can't work. I can't think. So... My heart, prayer, help me, God. And um, I asked her, when was the first time she dealt with death? And she told me that uh, when she was 12 years old, her mom became pregnant, and Esther remembered being afraid that when the baby came, that mama would love the baby more than her. And she wouldn't have that place anymore. And so in the secret place of her heart, she wished the baby wouldn't be born. When the baby died shortly after birth, she believed it was her fault. It's all your fault. She heard those words. You did this. See how bad you are. These were the words she believed that came rushing to her, into her head from the enemy of her soul. By now, she's crying and shaking, I, I'm, and she's convinced that she caused that baby's death. That that's why now it's coming out. Now she's having to deal with that. So I said, in my heart prayer, help me, God. Are you willing to consider what the Lord has to say about that, Esther? She was quiet for a minute, and then she heard in her mind and knew it was the Lord. Now, this is not a girl who was brought up in the church. But she knew that this was God speaking to her. You do not have that kind of power. I wanted her with me it's not your fault. He spoke those words to this girl. She stopped crying. I, I could feel the relief in her voice, you know. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That was the rest of the conversation Then she was able to go back to work. Isn't that awesome? The truth set her free. Fear, um, the truth set her free from what she believed for 14 years. The encounter in the hospital triggered that pain. For some reason, I think it was God's grace that it was time for her to not feel this guilt like she was that kind of bad anymore. Fear had opened the door for her to have those thoughts settle in the secret place of her heart. Then the lie was easy to believe because she was afraid. So... That's another example. Now I have another one. We're chastised, we're corrected, we're adjusted. Anybody ever been adjusted or corrected and going, eh. <laughs> And Satan uses our anger and resentment uh, to cause us to not take that reproach, not to take the correction, not to take the chastisement. He just, oh, you don't need that. You don't need to listen to that. Who are they? Okay, I'm going to give you an example. This was Jane. Um... Why couldn't I say I love you to my mother? That was her request of me. Even on her deathbed, I could not say the words I longed to say. She couldn't cry and share her emotions with anyone. Bitterness had taken root in her, and she was tired of it. We prayed, and she remembered the last time she had loved her mom. That's that's what the Lord told me to ask her. When was the last time you loved her? Can you remember? And, And expressed it, and she was six years old. Her mom had been given a fur coat, and Jane was just lovingly just, oh, I love you, Mommy, I love your new coat, it's so beautiful, and she's just loving on her mom. And her mom turned and said, don't fuss over me like that. People will think I spent the rent money on this, and it was given to me. Now hush. Because her mother had spoken sharply to her, she made a decision in the secret place of her own heart to never tell her I love you again, and she never did. At that point, she saw what had happened. And we prayed, and she she asked God to forgive her for making that vow so long ago. She began to cry, and the tenderness of God broke the bitter root that she'd nurtured all those years. She was 70 years old, alone and lonely. But she was finally able to hear the truth and repent and be set free. Anybody ever had those kinds of things happen to them? (laughs) You know, we make vows we, in our anger. We, we set ourselves against the thing God wants us to have. We have a triumph, and Satan uses our victory to cause us to become prideful and puffed up and give glory to ourselves. Anybody ever been there? Hmm? I'm so good. <laughs> I'm going to use David's story as an example. He, his rise to power, he was the favorite of God. And then he fell. He saw himself as above the sin he committed because he never even never had a thought about it. He was the king. Esther spent 14 years in fear. Joseph, the young boy, had four years of hating his father. Jane grew old before she was free to love and David lost his son out of that. I have hundreds of stories, hundreds of stories. Men in bondage to pornography because of the lies Satan told them when they disobeyed and opened that door. Women trapped in sexual sin because they were molested or raped and listened to the lie of Satan. You're just, that's all you're worth. In their trauma, men and women in bondage to sexual sin of all kinds, because of their sin, their trauma, or the falsehood, and Jesus has set them free with the truth when the truth was revealed. Repentance had come, forgiveness ministered, and love restored. His heart is for that. When he reveals sin in your life, guys, it's because he loves you. When he shows you what you're hanging on to, it's because he loves you, not because he wants to point a finger at you and go, "Uh Aha, I caught you. It's not him. Jesus said in John 16:33, "I have said these things to you that in you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world." He's overcome those things. He's overcome the things you stumble over, the things you're caught in, the things that you're bound by. He has overcome them. Look to him. David's sin was horrendous. Yet Jesus honored him and called himself the son of David. It's evidence of the entire forgiveness of God to the one who repents and acknowledges his sin before God and obtains forgiveness. Total forgiveness. I mean, you can't, you can't say he held it against him. Isaiah 66, six two says in the second part, this is the one whom I, to whom I will look, He who is humble and contrite and trembles at my word. A contrite spirit is so valuable to God that murder and adultery were forgotten because of his contrite. It's you, God I offended. His contrite spirit. And God wants to see you, that wants you to see that he sees you that way. We're approaching Easter. And uh, our most deeply sorrowful time of the year, isn't it? When Jesus died on the cross. And yet, it's also the most exuberant time of the year because he rose from the dead. I think God's warning through Eric during worship uh, was at just the right time. We can look to ourselves and find where we've traded the truth for a lie. Where we've become subjugated to the slavery of fear. Out of trauma, out of sin, out of triumph? These are the questions I want you to ask yourself, okay? What do I want that keeps me from God? Idols? Yourself? What have we decided is not of God because it's not what we want? Hath God not said? Did he really say that? What have we repeatedly done over and over, not knowing why, but knowing we are unable to stop? That's slavery. And this is an interesting one. Why are we withholding worship with all our heart and soul and mind and strength? I read this and the booklet, um, Dick's going to pass out, um, for the Easter season, and uh, Phil Strout wrote it, but it just struck my heart. To withhold worship breeds cynicism, doubt, and lack of faith. To give it lavishly sets us free to truly believe and to take God at his word. Okay. Anybody remember this little song? Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of Heaviness. It's true. Lift up your voice to God. It's just a wonderful old song, but there's so much truth, and, and we come here to worship, and And God really wants us to be free, at least here, and sometime during the week, too, to be free to just sing and dance before God and worship him. And something happens in your heart, and you're set free. I'm going to reread Revelation 22, verse 13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, so they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Then in the 17th verse, he says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price.